Hey there, fellow humans, Mark Labusk again for episode 90-something of the Simply Practically Human podcast, and today joined by successful banker and derivatives trader and now global mindfulness expert and corporate wellness ambassador, Neelam Hajani. Neelam is going to share a whole lot of her knowledge and expertise from both being in the corporate world and, and the things that happened to her in the pursuit of success and then starting to explore and experiment with ways to get some energy back and, and do what she said, build some emotional sustenance. Today, we're going to hear a whole lot of stories of why it was important for Neilam to stop and have a look what was going on and not do something that most of us do, and that is to ignore the signs of pain in her body. And uh, she's found a really, really unique way now to help her clients globally and, and quite interestingly working with the banking sector, plus a whole lot of other sectors in a global capacity to help people to really build and tap into that emotional sustenance and, and the breath and energy optimization. In fact, today she'll actually take me through a activity for seven minutes, which was, um, which I must say, really helped me and helped to unpack some things that were going on. So sit back, have a listen, take some notes, and I'm sure if you get the chance, take part in the activity that Neelam does towards the end. Life can get pretty complicated. In the Simply Practically Human podcast, Mark Labusque talks to incredible humans to see the way forward more clearly through the complexity in the world and in our heads. Let's get ready to thrive. Delighted to be joined today by another good human being. I, I tend to just go looking for the good humans. Corporate wellness ambassador, mindfulness expert, and the founder of Inspire Yoga, Neelam Hajani. Neelam, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much, Mark. It's such a pleasure. I always ask my guests about first impressions. And I know we met in drinking dialogue. So if you can recall, I certainly can recall mine, but but guests always get to go first. <laughs> Your first impressions of the, the the guy from Australia in the black T-shirt. I, you know, I just got a really genuine vibe from you. And in the forum we were we were discussing, and it's quite an intellectual forum, right? So people kind of come showing their logic side, the analysis, the research that the, that backs up the the facts that they're presenting. But I think what struck me about you was that you were really so authentic. You brought it back home. You said, okay, this is a subject we're discussing, and this is exactly how it pertains to me. And I'll give you a real life example of what happened to me last week with my family. You know, and it, I just felt like you cut out all the noise and all the jargon and just made it so relatable. And in that, I really felt like you weren't really talking from your brain as much as you were talking from your heart. Mm. And when it comes to a heart-to-heart -heart connection, that's something that, you know, sticks with me. And that's why I reached out to you. And I said, you know, if there's anything I could do to support, I'm here to collaborate. And I just want to be part of this journey because it's something so rare for me to find as well. Oh, I love that. A lot of what I do doesn't necessarily come from the brain. And and I I do know that is quite an intellectual platform that, that we get into. And I've always found that I think there's a there's a great opportunity to bring both together, but but I, I think at times we do tend to 
to stick with the facts and then the research that supports our facts. And, and it is lovely. And then my impressions of you, like there was just this, um, it was so, there was some sort of calming effect that came over me when you, when you were in the group and you were talking. I'm like, I actually feel at ease now with this person who is, I think, again, coming from the below-the-neck places, still highly intellectual because I know a bit about your background, but at the same time, just sitting there going, actually feeling very relaxed uh, in the mm-hmm. company of Neelam. So I wanted to say thank you for that and thank you for your, for your mm-hmm. kind words. And I sort of start there because I, I do like us to step into a little bit of our awareness of like when we meet people. Rather yeah. than oh what ha- what happened what did you do what did you it's more like no how did what was your first impression of that human being so thank thank you for sharing that so today uh, we are going to get into a lot of things around energy emotion um, the effect efficacy of work and life and, and and a little bit about your background would be a great place to start because this isn't something that you've always done as in finding this business and whatnot you before that you were in the corporate world oh yeah absolutely I was full throttle I went um, into banking and I was a derivatives trader and an investment bank here in Hong Kong and you know I just felt throughout my schooling throughout my degrees into you know just being tunneled into the corporate world. I just felt like, okay, I have to achieve. I have to, what's next? What's the most prestigious place? And what's, you know, always that sense of chasing, chasing. And I realized it was a sense of validation I was looking for. And in that trying to prove myself to myself, perhaps, I got to a point where I couldn't keep up with the pace anymore. And I would lie to myself, like, okay, I'm fine. I, I can keep going. And I could lie to myself in up here in my head that it's okay. I can normalize this, right? I'm normalizing stress. It's fine. But I couldn't lie to my body. And yeah. it was in my early 20s that I developed um, chronic lower back pain. So when my peers were out dancing the night away, I was literally barely limping home from work, you know, and I go to sleep and I would sleep eight, 10, 12, 14 hours and I'd still wake up exhausted. And it was that drainage, even in terms of my emotional relationships, you know, just not being the person that I knew I could be just so testy, so irritable. And I realized, is this really the person I want to be? And that's when a big shift happened. And it was when I developed, you know, taking a stance for myself in what serves me and what doesn't, you know, and where am I coming from? And that drive to push to succeed. What is the underlying emotion here? Yeah. And so it was through my own journey of healing, of trying it out on myself, right? First, I have to put my pieces together. And so exploring with yoga, with mindfulness, mindful movements, with breath work, meditation, I really found that it was that inner journey that I was, I saw a way of harmonizing. And so I, you know, I wanted to share that with my colleagues because we were all in the same predicament, right? 
equal amounts of stress. Um, you know, I would see it displayed in so many different ways. Like my one, the person next to me says, I can't move. So I'm just going to turn to look at you like that because my neck is totally frozen. Um, another colleague's trying my standing desk because his upper back is caving in. Another colleague is uh, trying a stability ball because his lower back is hurting. You know, and so we're just trying these almost outward approaches of healing or mending or just basically in order to get us through the day, not to mention, you know, the, the caffeine or the substance abuse in order to keep our, our energy at that peak performance too. And so I said, Hey guys, you know, I found that yoga has really helped me. Why don't you come for a class? It's really made a big difference to my back. And they looked at me being esteemed bankers in their forties, rolling their eyes and say, Hey, junior trader, Neelam, what are you talking about? I'm not going to be that goofball at the back of the class trying to touch my toes. Like, thank you, but no thanks, right? <laughs> and so I actually thought, you're right. You wouldn't feel a sense of place in a yoga studio. And if you're already in pain, it might even be harmful for you. Mm. And that's really when I realized that I wanted talk to the individual. I want to work around much more personalized approaches so that I can meet the need that they're looking for, you know, rather than just going through a group class, like you're, you're lost and trying to keep up with it. Understanding what is it? What are the fragmentation here? What is the, the pieces that I need to, to meld? And in doing so, really bring that objectives in the forefront. So from there, you know, just expanding and having a team of 15 teachers now to be able to, to meet to that niche and to the each individual so that they feel like they're safe and they have that attention and that they also have the luxury to say, you know what? It's too much today. I just want something slower, something faster. And that way we can customize it to what they're looking for. I, I love that. A few things that uh, I guess want to just touch on one thing when you talked about lying to yourself, because we, we all create stories that keep us where we want to be, whether it's I need to keep this identity, this reputation, the success and what success is at the time may be different to what success is today. What, what were, if you're happy to share, what were some of the, the lies you were telling yourself to keep yourself trapped in that space? You know, I'm the youngest of three. And I have two older brothers and they are a decade older than me. So 10 and nine years older than I am. And so I remember being at family dinners together and my brothers and my dad discussing the stock market and then feeling, you know, oh yeah, they're really involved in this conversation. And I felt like I could only add value to this family dinner if I had something meaningful to say, yeah. you know, and if I could somehow learn what they're talking about and really contribute. And so that's, I think, where it began with me just wanting to feel like I had a place at the dinner table. I had a voice. That sense of belonging is what comes to mind for me there, that sense of that I belong here. And then the way that I do that is I become successful in that space, the derivatives trader, the the work that you did. And at the same time, um, I loved how, you, again, your honesty is amazing, how you had all these signs and these these pains and things and, the, and, and every day you'd get up and it'd be the same again. 
But then you went and did something about it. And I'm particularly fascinated when you spoke at the Drinking Dialogue session about the different parts of the body and the different practices that you use work in different ways. Can you just explain a little bit about that? I should have done a bit more research and talked about it a bit, but I'd rather hear it from from the expert. Absolutely. And thanks for that. You know, thanks for just acknowledging that we all have these underlying currents of emotion that drive our behavior. Even when I deal with clients and I'll deal with these massive tycoons here in Hong Kong, they have mansion on the peak, they have the butlers, they have the drivers, they have the Bentleys. And they're coming to me and they're saying, Neelam, I just feel so listless. I think I'm depressed, right? And as an outsider, we would think, oh, if I have all of these, check, 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 that's my recipe for happiness, right? And so now I'm also seeing the the opposite. Well, they've ticked all the boxes. They think at the top of the mountain, if that's where my mansion is, that's where my happiness lies. And yet they've built it and they're living there and they're feeling empty. How is this so? And so I think it's also how we as a society frame happiness. Yes. Right. And how we're consistently chasing it. So if we're finding that it's so elusive that we need to achieve in order to feel fulfilled, then what is our state right now? We're in a state of lack. Yeah. Until we don't get what we want until we don't have this desire fulfilled we feel unworthy we feel we don't have enough we're not good enough and so I think it was really when I started to learn more about the energies and how the energies and the emotions correspond and how they sit in our body if you really take a moment to feel to feel that sense of I don't feel enough. There is lack. I am, there's something missing. If you sit with your body and you feel it, you'll feel that actually that's really a deep emotion. And that sits usually around the base of your spine or just below the belly button. And yet how we try to control or how we try to get things that we want is often through assertion right? We try to assert our power, our control. And I remember doing this as a trader and then walking out of the office and doing this in my relationships. Yes. If I'm as direct and if I'm as angry, I will get my way, right? And so even if you come from that space of power, of trying to manipulate those around you or controlling so that you get your desired outcome, feel that in your body, feel where you've been really angry and you just listen to what I'm asking you to do. Where is that coming from? That's usually coming from up in your gut, just above the belly button. So I really found that very fascinating how different emotions are placed in our body differently and starting to connect those dots that it's not just up here that I'm operating and I may be operating only on a thought level, but it has a massive impact and an implication on my physical being, right? Whether I like it or not. And that's exactly what happened. Whether I liked it or not, my lower back said enough is enough. 
And isn't that amazing? It was my lower back. And what is that? Says feeling of I'm invisible. Yes. I'm not enough. I don't belong. Right. And here I was trying to chase, trying to say, hey, look at me. I know about the markets. I know about derivatives from the markets. I'm even more one step further. Hey, look at me. I just made $300,000 in four minutes, you know, or hey, look at me. And so all of these ways of finding ways to be validated, to be visible. Because if I didn't, I would feel darkness. Mm, That's really interesting. Yeah. And so when I started to work with my lower back, I started to release that energy and replace that, replace that with a sense of belongingness lies in the same space. Safety and fear lie in the same space, but it's about what you choose and how we can move on from wellness or illness. That That's fascinating that, because, you know, we would put it down to, uh, we could create a story here. Uh, I'm sitting in a chair all day, like I'm getting a bit older, you know, the computer and, and I got a bad neck and I got a bad back and this. But but when were you saying that? I, I know when I, um, and I've really only just really started doing it recently, but a very, a very short um, mindfulness activity of a morning, usually these days when I'm sitting in my infrared sauna at home, one of the things they say is to notice, scan your body and notice what you're feeling in your body. And for me, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw one up at you here now. It's my left shoulder. My, my, my shoulders seem to hold a lot of the tension in me. In fact, the other day, my daughter was, um, she's an osteo and she was just sort of experimenting a bit with me. And she's like, relax your shoulders. And I'm like, they're relaxed. And she goes, no, they're not relaxed. What's going on up around this area here when I'm, that's where I feel a lot of pain across the, I hope you're not going to tell me something that's going to freak me out here, by the way. <laughs> well, it kind of worms have opened. You asked, so I shall answer. <laughs> um, actually, so the shoulders is a psychosomatic place of stress, of where yeah. imagine holding the weight of the world, right? That's on your shoulders. And so when you, we often feel or we often find that the shoulders tense out first when we are exposed to stress. And I can't blame you, Mark. It's been a very stressful time, right? The last two years has shown us so much uncertainty. And it's really in that uncertainty where fear, where stress, where the fight or flight kind of kicks in a lot. So yeah, I would just honor that, that this is how I'm feeling. And then also it comes up when you're, you're being quiet. It comes up when you're being mindful. So just take that as a sign. And maybe just extend those or maybe have uh, moments, micro moments during the day so that it doesn't flare up. So you can just kind of work on them. The left side of the body is also connected to the right side of the brain. So this is the emotional heart, right? So if you're feeling that this is stifled in your creativity or just a lot of emotions you're having to deal with or perhaps suppress and not deal with them, it will start to, you know, show and be demonstrated on a physical level. So take a moment, maybe even journal or do a a practice where you feel like you can have more of a cathartic approach to anything that you might be holding on to. I can share a few that I love if you'd like. Yeah, well, why not? Look, I I see you've, I've opened the door and uh, (laughs) it's interesting when you say that because 
my story is pretty laid back and not much stresses me out. That's the story I go with. I'm not, I don't get stressed, but, but I should listen a bit more to or feel a bit more into what's going on. So, yeah, look, if there's a, if you want to share, because I said, you know, we would share some sort of practice here, something we could do. If you've got something that you'd like to do, please go ahead. Absolutely. Okay, that's very interesting that you say that. So sometimes even we might not be connected cerebrally to what's happening, right? So we might be like, nope, I'm fine. Things are good. No problem. And so that's how I I dealt with a lot of mine. It was kind of denial until I could no longer put that blanket under it, you know? And so, so just noticing, is there anything that I'm just almost abandoning and just not addressing right now? And if, if that comes up, then, you know, obviously letting it go through ways of just journaling. Another thing I love to do is EFT, emotional tapping technique. So literally I like to just go into the heart this, around the sternum and then just tap into whatever it is, whatever the difficulty you feel like you're facing. So say um, the grievance is like, it's been so long that we're in lockdown, you know, just being able to have a live event and I can feel other people's energy and work off that. Like there's nothing like it. And having to simulate it on a virtual is just, it's not the same, you know? Well, you know, whatever it is. So tapping into the sternum and hold and saying what it is that you might be finding difficult right now. And then you press the outer edge of the left hand and you reframe that. So now it's, how can I take this difficulty that I'm seeing in the present moment and turn it into a gift? Yeah. How can I see what I feel as a challenge and take it as a learning opportunity? Yeah. So because it's been locked down, I've actually been so much more intentional about cultivating my friendships and picking up the phone and, you know, finding that support and a good laugh when I need to, because it's been, uh, we've been in lockdown. I've been able to connect with people from all over the world and feel like my support group is not only in Melbourne, but a global sense of belonging, you know, whatever it is, but taking that pain point and how can I reframe it to honor and turning it into a gift, you know? And so then you're also changing, you're sculpting out of the victim mode of I'm just going to have to deal with maybe another 300 days of lockdown. I don't know. And you're creating more empowerment. You're creating more ownership of the situation. That's really useful because if I think about it from my, looking at it through my eyes and I'm like, I'm very, very quick to grab the bad news stories about what's going on at the moment. But the things you just talked about, I wouldn't have met you without COVID. Mm. And, and you know, I'm going to say the maybe 100 other people have met through Drinking Dialogues plus something I run called the Zoom Room Provocation is that there are great things, but we, you know, I know not we, I get caught in my bad news filing cabinet up here that's like here's another bad news story and another one. And what I'm getting a sense of now, that, that then starts to manifest itself in my body somewhere it comes out of the bad news filing cabinet and and lodges somewhere in my body which is which is left shoulder at the moment so um that's really useful I'm sure for others whether it's left shoulder or wherever it might be taking that time to to do what you talk about which is 
create that or get that emotional sustenance. Mm. So can you talk a little bit about that as well, Neil? And just what is what is emotional sustenance? So basically, you know, we know that we want to do so much and we want to be as productive as possible, but yet we don't have control over the number of hours in the day. But it's really how much energy do we bring to each moment of the day? And so when we're able to correlate our emotions to our energy levels, thereby connecting the productivity loop, you know? And so I know that a lot of the association to well-being or wellness is, okay, eat well, sleep well, and you'll be fine, right? That's very physical. We're really starting at that step one. But have you ever been on a holiday, perhaps, with friends, and you chatted the night away, you basically had like three hours of sleep, come back, and you feel like you're, you're flying. You're so happy. You had such a great time. You probably ate rubbish. You slept rubbish. But you felt amazing. Yeah. Right? Why? Because your emotional vibration is so high. You're filled with joy. You're filled with love. You're filled with connection. And this is what really enlivens us. And so when we can start to turn that spiral from a downward spiral where we're feeling frustration, we're feeling anger, we're feeling hopeless, right? Especially when we're going through those newsreels and looking at all the, all the negative information that's out there. You know, we have a nine to one bias on remembering the bad news versus the good news. And this yep. is evolutionary, right? We, we want to remember where that poisonous snake was so that it increases our chances of survival. Yeah. Yep. But now holding that on, we're holding on to all the negative news. We don't even have an outlet for it. And so how can we take that downward spiral of emotion and flip it? And flip it so it's upward. If there's a sense of boredom or that sense of vacancy in our in our mind, how do we move from okay, I'm not really thinking about much right now, to then thinking about being hopeful, being grateful, being in a supportive, loving environment, being joyful, right? Because often, what do we do when we're bored? What's our greatest pastime? Isn't it to worry? Yep. Right? And 85% of the time, we worry about things that never actually happen. So this is literally just, you're wasting not only your time, but your vital source of energy. And it's draining you because you're then going from a place of, yeah, I'm happy. I can I can get things done. I, I want to move to what's the point? Yep. And there's a lot of that at the moment. There's a lot of what's the point at the moment, particularly, yeah. I guess, for humans who like that like to be in control to, to the, the extent that they tell themselves a story, they're in control. And then all of a sudden, a, a virus turns up globally, and then our elected officials start to take control of the situation. So we feel less in control. And then the other thing I do, which I think is bad, but I keep doing it, is is I scroll through the news on a daily basis. And then that, yeah. you, you continue to read more things to put into that nine-to-one situation. So right. what I'm hearing from you is is being able to flip that and, and 
it sounds like something would be really attractive to me. And then I sit there and go, but it sounds like bloody hard work too. So what what are your tips around how do, how do people start to flip this? What what are some things they can do to flip from, let's call it helplessness, to sort of hope? So I think the first thing is, you know, starting with a place of gratitude. Yep. We can start to just be grateful for the little things. The neurochemistry is wired in our brain to then look for more things to be grateful for, to keep reinforcing that habit. So ask yourself, what am I creating? What is my... What are these mental reels, these mental habits that I'm creating? Am I creating things to put myself down, to criticize, to feel more hopeless? Or can I turn that and literally just start your day before you, your feet even touch the floor, before you even get out of bed? Three things, what I'm grateful for. And so I think that also helps us to realize there's a sense of much larger universal support out there. And it's not just me as the doer that if I don't get it done, the results that I want don't happen. Listen, you were asleep for eight hours. Was your heart not beating? Yeah. Was your breath not flowing? Do you not wake up feeling, feeling that sense of energy? So knowing that there's so much of that support all the time. So I, I think gratitude really immediately helps to shift that. It helps to turn it. And, you know, you're right. It does take discipline. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, oh yeah, I have a bed of roses tomorrow. Everyone's going to be operating in thriver mode at highest <laughs> energy level, right? But it's also a great time to reflect. When do I say no? And, you know, when do I go back to my old habits? When I do that, what am I saying no to? Or who am I saying no to? Right? Often, it's hard to change because we're not willing to let go of the old habits. Yeah. Because somehow we've created a comfort about operating in hopelessness or frustration. Or it's easier to blame than to take ownership. So firstly, reflect. Am mm. I willing to be that person? Am I ready to be that person? And if the answer is yes, I am ready to operate at my optimum. I am ready to be there for myself so that I can also be there for other people. You know, I am ready to be vulnerable so that I can share from a heart space as well. And when we can do that, then we can take that next step and habit formation, which is literally give yourself 21 days, write three things down that you're grateful for every day for 21 days. And I guarantee you, you're starting to imprint a new habit. Mm. You're going from worrying to a sense of thankfulness. Just by our very nature, we are helpful and we are, we are very keen to help others and to serve others and to do these things. But I also say at what expense? And, mm -hmm. you know, you hear the thing of you need to fill your cup up first before you can help others and give them some of what's in your cup. I see a lot of people, Neilam, who who have got just absolutely empty, like, 
bone dry, empty cups, and they're still, and you know, because of their nature, they're still trying to help others. What's your thoughts and what's your advice around that for people who find it difficult to think of self before others and then just end up with an empty cup? Like that, that means their energy levels are depleted. What would you say to those people? Because I'm sure there are a few listening. Yeah. Maybe there's one that's hosting you on the podcast as well. <laughs> Perhaps. So even in yoga philosophy, it's said that our outer environment is a reflection of our inner environment. You know, so if we're coming from ourselves, where, where there's a lot of resistance, there's a lot of denial, that's what's going to show up. There's a lot of anger. Or we're in these positions where it's very binary. It's, you know, one or the other. That's what's going to show up. Mm. When we're in a mindset of abundance, of we can have it all, that's what's going to show up. So it's not that in order to, to fill her cup, I need to be pouring from my cup, which is a scarce resource. Yes. And, you know, I'm actually going to go through, if you don't mind, mm. perhaps at the end, a, a little meditation that helps to clear a lot of this. You really, it, it's super healing. But also to know that when we fill our cup, we're filling from a space of limitlessness. So then we're able to give wholesomely. But when we're unable to tap into that limitlessness, then we're what we're doing is we're tapping into scarcity. Yeah. And so I think it's also being able to honor yourself and to realize that this time for you is not only for you, but it's for you as a giver. Yes. And I'd like to share that, you know, over the summer, it was difficult for me because I have two little kids and being an entrepreneur, dealing with the team, and then obviously uh, attending to the, my, my duties as a mother. And then of, of course, with COVID as a teacher with online learning and all of that, I felt like I feel so spent. I feel exhausted. And there was so much that I was trying to juggle and piecemeal and, you know, diarize my day to the 30 minute interval so that I could get everything done. And at the end of the evening, was I a cheerful, loving, kind wife to my husband as he walked into the, into the house? Of course not. And so feeling that I, I've given everything, now I'm done, I'm depleted. And I realized, is this really what I, is this really how I want to operate? And there's no amount of moaning and cribbing that I could do to change the pandemic, to change or to control the environment or to say, you know, four-year-old, I expect you to be reading now. Sort yourself <laughs> up, right? There's nothing I can do. I have to be there. I have to physically be there, emotionally be there. And so I decided, you know, counterintuitively, I would think I'm just going to sleep in. I'm going to just wake up to the moment I have to be on call and deal with the day as it comes. Said, so, you know, I need my practice to be solid and to be anchoring. And that's where I, I have my reservoir of energy to give. And so I said, I'm actually going to wake up two hours earlier. So now I wake up at five before the kids are up so that I can fill my cup. And this is yeah. my dedicated time. I'll go for a run. I'll do my meditation. 
I do my breath work, but so that I feel like now bring it on. I'm ready to face my day. I'm ready. And I'm, I'm going to embrace it, not just face it, you know, and it's in that spirit. It's in that energy that we can start to, to also learn those boundaries that this is time for me. And I'm not doing it from a place of guilt. I'm doing it from a place of love. Yes. When I don't love myself, the only thing I can give to the world is love. Mm. And so I'm, I'm taking away my greatest gift. Now, Neelam, you're the, you're the expert. You're sort of like the guru in this stuff. And you've just explained to me very vulnerably that you have your moments as well. And I think that's what makes this, I guess, such a rich experience for me having this conversation because you face into it mm-hmm. just like other people do who it's like the this is like the plumber with the leaky tap at home but they can fix it they can find a way you found a way which is i'll get up earlier i'll do these things i'll fill up from the reservoir and then i'll face into my day rather than no i'll stay in bed for two hours longer and then i've just by the end of the day i'm no, no good to myself which means i'm no good to to others so i think people will really particularly in these times will really be able to, that'll resonate with them quite strongly. What's the little practice? Well, I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting curious now, but what's a little practice? Is this practice sort of to help with this state that I've talked a bit about? It's about that, you know, you're just feeling like you're not in control. I wanted to share a little moment where you could start to just tap into that wellspring of vitality within you. And start to notice where is it in your body that you're holding tension and how just by being aware of it, we can release it. Because a lot of the time, especially from the, you know, the Eastern philosophy or the holistic wellness practices, we're not actually achieving or attaining. The big emphasis is on letting go, on surrendering on unlearning all of these things that we've kind of normalized in ourselves. And so when we actually allow ourselves to drop, say, these limiting beliefs or these negative thought patterns, freedom is there for the taking already. You know, that that love, that energy, that joy, is it's all there. It's just covered with so many layers of uh, identifications that we've created for ourselves. What's a little practice? Have you got something we could do for a couple of minutes here, five minutes or something? Yeah, I'll take you through it. Are you ready? Absolutely. I want you to just get comfortable in your seat. Feel really supported. You know, so if you need a back support, if you need some cushions, grab them. Feel relaxed. And you don't have to feel like you're holding your spine upright and you're sitting in a lotus position. Let go. Actually, I want you to feel at ease. Just unlock your jaw. Relax your shoulders. Feel your weight settle down into your hips. Just honor the body. It's our physical body that allows us to have these experiences. Start to bring your awareness to your breath. 
just notice your breath. Without a manipulation, without a control, don't feel like you need to deepen or lengthen. Just notice the subtle airflow that's with us from the moment we are born to the last moment we have on this earth. Just feel the expansion as you breathe in. Notice the chest or the belly opening and the relaxing contraction as you breathe out. And notice what's happening in your mind. Are you waiting for the next instruction? Are you hoping a hurry up? Are you resisting, looking for the next fact to hold on to? Just notice. Come back to your breath and feel an ease in your body. Now I want you to bring your awareness to any area of tension you might be experiencing. So if this is a physical pain, then go to the area where you're feeling that pain. If emotionally, then check in. Where are you holding that emotion in your body? Start to get clearer. Where exactly spatially in your body are you holding this tension? How big is this space? Assign it a color. Give it a shape. Is it a round sphere? Is it jagged? Take time, just notice how it feels, the space that it occupies. Now bring your awareness to an area in the body that you feel is a wellspring of vitality. Where you feel your health and your wellness overflows. Just bring your awareness to this area. Notice the space that it occupies, giving it a shape. Is it a sphere? Is it a diamond shape? 
giving it a color. And now from here, notice that this wellspring, this area of vitality, can't really be encapsulated. It's flowing. So feel that fluidity, that energy that flows from here. And notice its viscosity. Does it flow as though it's running water? Or thicker like honey, perhaps? Or light like vapor? Take your awareness from the area of vitality and let it flow towards the area of tension. Feel that shape of tension surrounded by the fluid energy of vitality, of health, of harmony. Notice what happens to this area of tension. Does it start to fade? Does it start to shrink? Does it start to break down? Breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth. In through your nose and out through your mouth. Breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth. Continue moving that vital energy, that wellspring of health into the area that it's calling. Notice how the interplay between the health and the vitality with your tension as it starts to encapsulate it. It starts to shrink and fade away. In through your nose and out through your mouth. I want you to zoom into the area where your tension was and just notice if there are any shards of that color or of that shape left behind. Taking three more soothing breaths, bringing a new wave of wellness, a new wave of vitality, of energy, of healing into the space, in through your mouth, Out through your mouth, in through your nose, 
out through your mouth. One last time, in through your nose and breathe out like you're blowing a candle. A steady stream of air through your mouth. Now sending a sincere wave of gratitude to the muscles, to the nerves, to the tissues as you allow your vitality to be absorbed, knowing this is a space of boundless energy that's available to you always. Very gently, whenever you're ready, you may open your eyes. Oh, wow. How did you feel, Mark? A lot more relaxed than what I did before. Um, and I did actually, interestingly, feel that tension it's, it, I could still feel a bit of it there, but not like it was. It was actually like something was grabbing me and like squeezing it before. Now it feels like it's, it's still a little bit there, but it's been, there's not that sort of really real tension in it now. So, yeah, I feel I feel a lot better than what I did. How long did we go for then, by the way? I think that was only seven minutes. There you go. Yeah, it was, I feel a lot better than seven minutes ago. So that was... Yeah. That was amazing. <laughs> exactly. And I think it's just, you know, also just retraining that. Retraining that we only pay attention to our body when it's calling out in pain. Yeah. But noticing how much vitality, how much health, how much of a wellspring of energy it holds most of the time. And so when we can access that, then we're also shifting our awareness, our attention to what serves us. And that mm -hmm. becomes the mode in which we operate from. Thanks for doing that. Uh, just as you said that then too, I'm now thinking of the workplace and you sort of say that we, with our bodies, we only really recognise when the pain's there. Then we go, you know, we'll tolerate it for a while till we can't and then we'll go and, we'll go and seek a, someone to help us whatever in whatever way that help might be yeah. the workplace is not unlike that is that we tend to focus on the negative things mm. the performance review the scorecard the you're two percent behind you're five percent behind if you're five percent ten percent fifteen percent in front we tend not to celebrate and sit with that, do we? So there's yeah. there's some real linkages here that I'm finding anyway that that this is relevant to us as a human being in our body. But if you sort of started to expand your thoughts, and I'm doing this right now with COVID, we focus in on the negatives yeah. that, to turn us to a place of hopelessness. Mm -hmm. and, and I think in some respects learned helplessness now it's almost like we're helpless and that little activity there seven minutes helped me to go to somewhere else so 
uh, not just for me, but I hope for the listeners who who participated in that. And if you were driving in your car, I hope you pulled over and practiced that. That was the first thing I thought about when you were about to go into it. What about the people on there driving their cars listening to this podcast? You'll have to pull your car over, but so, so, so good. Hey, um, how do people find out more about you? Where do the, where do the listeners find out about you? Do you just, do you focus your work mainly in in Hong Kong or, or because of virtual, do you do, do you work with people outside of Hong Kong or? You know, funnily enough, actually, Mark, now I find myself in the bank again. It's like come full circle. So oh, really? come, yeah, back to the financial industry, literally talking about this, you know, yeah. talking about how do we optimize our energy? How do we take those moments where we can not just say even mentally show gratitude, but put it into action. Yeah. Make my stance that every day I'm going to write an email where it's not just a side note, thanks for this. And can I also have uh, the next presentation attached, but really have the subject being, I'm thankful. Thank you Lovely. for the amazing work you're doing. Um, and just shifting that, that dial a little bit towards the more positive, the more enriching, meaningful relationships, because that's really when the work becomes meaningful too. So yeah, whether it's on the trading floor, but of course nowadays, you know, on a global reach virtually as well. And website, you have a website that people can access? Yeah, so it's inspire, inspire-yoga.com. That's uh, where you can see the private offerings, the corporate offerings. And of course, just reach me out um, on LinkedIn, Neelam Herjani. I'm always kind of sharing tips and things that I'm up to. And think, you know, as you said, it's it's a constant recalibration. You know, once we feel like we've learned everything, we start to decay, right? And so I'm always learning and I'm always trying to expand my own toolbox and uh, just kind of sharing those tips so that they can help and have a spiral effect forward too. Well, you talked about the law of abundance during the podcast here and you practice it and, and you live it by the sound of it because of your generosity of what you've done today. And I'm sure that that's not just a, I know it's not just a show for the podcast. You you, you bring an enormous amount of generosity to the world. So Neelam, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. It's really such a pleasure to be here. I'm sure there'd be many of you listening to that episode who could relate to Neelam's very, very personal and vulnerable story about wanting to prove herself to others that she was successful and those conversations she would have at home and in the pursuit of that success, ignoring some of those signs, you know, she talked about having trouble sleeping, the constant sore back and just the things that she couldn't do and the amount of energy that it was taking to just simply get through in that role where, as, as she talked about, she was very successful. She wanted to keep being successful, but she was always chasing that, not just for herself, but for the acceptance of others. And it's a big lesson in that in itself. And then I guess starting to explore and experiment with the work that she does today, which is based around yoga practices, mindfulness, and, and really helping others with that with their wellness. So, you know, the little breathing activity that we did for seven minutes, which, uh, you know, very, very grateful that Neelam, first of all, would do a little bit of uh, diagnosis on on the podcast and then take me through something which which I've got to say in that seven minutes had, had an impact. And um, I hope that some of you others might have 
joined in there and maybe it helped you with some things there as well. Her discussions about gratefulness and gratitude and learning what we've normalised was really an important point as well. And also looking at how we use our energy because we only have a certain amount of it and, uh, and are we using it in the right way or are we using it in a way that's perhaps not as beneficial for us in the first case and for others after that as well. Hey, um, get on those phones or whatever you're on now. Get those thumbs a tapping. If you love this, why not rate it five stars and leave us a nice review. And if you liked it, share it with your friends. But until next time, keep it simple, keep it practical and keep it human. Bye for now. Bye.